You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We got a whole new series we're starting today. And we got done last year. We went through the book of Ephesians. You, many of us, you started out only halfway read Ephesians. Now you fully read it. You're one step ahead of Kanye in this particular situation. But uh, yeah, I know. But the reality is, is we're going to go deep into Philippians. So it's the next letter. Turn your Bibles to Philippians. We're going deep. Anybody know what deep means? Discipleship, engagement, evangelism, and prayer. That's our focus this year, that we would go deep. And today I want to start a series on the book of Philippians. The history of the book of Philippians is that it was a letter, a thank you letter, a thank you letter written to the city of Philippi. Now, how many have ever gotten a thank you letter from someone? Have you ever gotten anybody give thank you letters anymore? Let me see. It's, yes, it's, it's, it's the younger generation. Come on, thank you letter. There you go. Okay, all right. Because we got to remember that it's good to give thanks. And I'm so ingrained by my mom that I would not only get the thank you letter, but then write a thank you letter for the thank you letter. I feel like I'm in inception. Many letters of thankfulness. It's never ending. Well, eventually we got to just stop these letters back and forth. But I feel like that is what Paul is saying to the church of Philippi. He's writing this under house arrest in Rome. So he's not even near the church of Philippi, but he's writing this. And the very beginning, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. This is unique. Because many of the letters, he says, Paul, the apostle, the apostle Paul. But in this particular situation, he identifies himself as a servant and he includes Timothy in this. I feel like as he's getting older, he's realizing, you know what? I need to start kickstarting my legacy here. I need to start letting people know that it's not just me leading you, but also I'm your servant. How many know the greatest of these is the servant coming low? Paul is in house arrest. He's awaiting trial. This is somewhere between 60 to 62 A.D. He's writing this letter because the church of Philippi has blessed him greatly. And all throughout this letter, there's a theme, two words that you'll hear quite a bit, the word joy and the word rejoicing. Over 17 times, Paul mentions joy and rejoicing. How many know we need some joy and rejoicing today? It's not just from back then. We need that today. So I believe this is a timely letter, and I believe this letter will help us to see the power of Paul's words This church, the church of Philippi, was probably started in Acts 16. How many remember what was in Acts 16? Good for you if you do. Acts 16 is when Paul and Silas were in jail. Remember that time Paul and Silas were in jail and they began to worship and the, and the walls came down and actually the jailer, the guard came and said, I'm going to die. I can't deal with this. And Paul led him and his family to Jesus. That was probably the beginning. And of course, there was a woman named Lydia. Remember Lydia? She has sold purple goods. Anybody? I have one of her things she sold right here. Here it is right here. This is the original thing. I'm kidding. It's from Leanne McCoy from Thompson Station. Uh, but, but the reality is she and probably the guard and their family started this church. Isn't it cool that what Paul did in Acts 16 actually births forth the church? Paul was setting forth in motion. So let's dive in. Philippians 1. We're going to break this down today, and I'll give you my title in a moment because it's key that you understand first the context. Philippians 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy Servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayers with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you're all my partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in defense in the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. Now I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that you love that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pause for a moment. Paul says something very key here. He says, because of your partnership, because you partnered with me, I believe, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We like to pick that verse out. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Paul was saying, because of your partnership in the gospel, I believe now what God started in you, he's going to complete. So let me say it this way. Kingdom partnership brings kingdom blessing. This is natural. When you partner with the kingdom, you get the byproduct of the kingdom. Let's keep reading. Philippians 12, verse 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, they proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Let's talk about that for a moment. Philippians 1.18, only in that in every way, whether it was done wrong or it was done right, whether the person was an idiot or the person really knew what they were talking about, even if they're evil and they're mocking me, Christ is proclaimed. I love that because that gives me assurance that no matter how you use the word Jesus Christ, you're proclaiming the name above, above all other names. That even the person that doesn't love Jesus, that mocks Jesus, that was mocking Paul, Paul says, I'm still rejoicing because the gospel is going out. That's how powerful his name is. Oh, I feel like you're preaching to me. Regardless of the method, Christ will be glorified. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. Yes, and I will rejoice. There it is again. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put at all to shame, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether with life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better 
But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. Let me read that again. And not frightened in anything by what is happening in the world. And not frightened by any condemnation raging against you. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Ah. Oh. But of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Philippians, deep into Philippians chapter one, the title is called The Joy of Dying. The Joy of Dying. How many people love to die? Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm gonna go after something that's real sacred because we don't talk about death a lot in church. And I'm going to be talking about two different kinds of deaths. You'll get this as we keep going deeper into Philippians. But Paul says this, and he says this with all passion. Whether I live or die, God is glorified. And partly, I want to get out of here. I'm tired of, I mean, can you imagine how much Paul back and forth in prison, back and forth in prison, beaten up, beaten up, beaten up, beaten up, released, beaten up. I mean, this is his life. So part of him is like, man, I like to say peace out. I'm out. But he says, if I'm going to be here, it's going to be an example to you that you can continue to do this because I'm in jail here and you're free. And if I have joy, you can have joy. I love movies. You know this. I've talked about it many times. I love good action movies. So I want to ask you to participate here. Shout it out if you would. Some good qualities of action films. What's a good quality of an action film? There's always a hero. That's good, Mike. What else? Fire, fire, hand, the fire, yeah, fire, fire is always good. What else? Car chase, come on now. Now you get warmed up. If you're Fast and the Furious 14, you're flying in the atmosphere. Perseverance, look at Chris going deep, I like that. There's always a villain, yeah. What if I pose to you this, the greatest part of a great action film is that the hero has nothing to lose. Think about that now. Think about that. The hero is willing to go to the ends of the earth. I have a certain set of skills. I'm coming to get my wife and my daughter. Whatever, what are we on, four? What, four's next? I don't know how many times this guy can rescue somebody. He doesn't care, Mike. He don't care about his life. Liam Nielsen doesn't care. He's coming to get you. He's coming to get his wife. Hide your kids, hide your wife. Liam Nielsen's coming. And it's the same character he plays in every film. Him and Jason Stedman. Can we just get that out of there? I want you to know this. A person that has nothing to lose is a dangerous person. 
Let me say that to the back. A person that has nothing to lose is a dangerous person. Someone that is willing to go to the grave. Come on now. I hear DMX. Never mind. What is happening in my mind right now? Help me, Eric. Help me. Pray for your pastor. There is joy in dying. Now you're saying this is quite a weird message to preach right now. What's all going on. In the, in the nation, but I'm just preaching what Paul preached almost in every letter he wrote. Romans 6. He's writing a letter to the church of Rome. He says this, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized unto his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptizing in death. And in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Paul is saying that you have to be dead to your old nature. So is there a death that's coming? Yes. Did you know that everyone in this place, I hate to tell you this, but you are going to die one day. Now, I should rephrase that. I'm excited to tell you that you are going to die one day. Now, that sounds awkward, Pastor Mark. But if you really understood what it means to die, like Paul did, he says, guess what? Celebrate my birthday. I'm going to heaven. I am out of here. But also Paul says, you must be dead to your old nature. You can't be a Christian and still act like you aren't. You can't live in addiction and try to get the glory of God. That's two different natures and you have to choose. Listen, let me just say this today. I'm going to bring this out because I asked Dan if I could bring this. I brought the kit. This is the, this is the kit for our security team. If somebody dies, we have stuff in here because today I'm believing that I'm going to have to rescue a lot of dead people in this place my desire is that you're going to need this because you're going to die to yourself today because i'm tired of people walking around putting on the old nature scared of dying we go through 2020 we're fearful we're in we're in our house we're looking out the curtains who's coming who's coming to get me then we go through an election oh my gosh who can we trust then the news says two different things what do we do and all of these things have led the church to worry about living because we're so afraid of dying so afraid of dying we ain't gonna rescue nobody during COVID-19 I was licking doorknobs kissing people in the streets yes <laughs> no lie but my, my wife was like like I come in the car after shopping at Costco right or Sam's Club I don't know which one Mike Mike works at Costco he gets mad when I go Sam's Club um Costco, Sam's Club, anybody? No, okay, we won't do that. I just lost everybody. Holy Spirit, come back. I would come out, I'd start eating something. She'd be like, are you going to wash your hands? I'm like, I'm building up my immunity, man. Mark 8, 34. I like this church. I'm like, that's silly. Oh, well, I lived through it. Here we are. Mark 8, 34, 36. And calling the crowd. This is Jesus. This is Jesus talking. He calls his disciples and he says this. If anyone would come follow after me, Southview, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life just gets it over with for my sake and the gospel will save it. 
For what does it profit a man if he loses, gains the whole world and loses his soul? This is Hollywood right there. I wish I could go proclaim this in Hollywood. What does it profit a man, all of you in Hollywood, all of you in high places, if you gain the whole world, got so many followers, got the little blue check mark on your social media, I am legit, and you lose your soul. It profits nothing. It profits nothing. Do you know there's a cost to fame? There's a cost to notoriety? There's a cost. And the cost is not worth it. Turn to somebody and say, it ain't worth it. There is a Western gospel dilemma happening in our nation right now. I want you to know that. We are so different than the rest of the world. We're so dis... You know why? Because we're ex- we get mad at God when it rains too much. We, we, we get desperate for God when we're in traffic and it takes us longer to get home. We get angry with God when the veal isn't at the store to make our meatballs. We get desperate. That, maybe that's just Italians. I don't know. But the reality is, is in the rest of the world, they're being persecuted. In our nation, we have a little bit of... Per- and we cry out to God. This is the end times. Oh my God. Buy gold bars. Quickly, somebody, go get a meal plan. We got to put it in our house we got to get a generator and realizing that the rest of the world's going through this every day of the week we're soft christians there's a western gospel dilemma in our nation what if we lived every day as if we're getting ready to die oh that's not a good message well it's the one paul preached many times we do salvation calls we say this come get everything you ever wanted Come get out of jail free card. Get get out of hell free card. Let's do this. We say this, you know, live your best life. (laughs) I'm not knocking any pastor, but you know what I'm (laughs) saying. But what if we gave altar calls and we said this, come die your greatest death. Come lay at the altar, cry out and let God just clean out all the junk from you. It's going to hurt a little bit, but in the long run, you're going to get healed. What if we did that? People are like, uh, do I want to go up there? I don't know. So what should I do here? But you know what? That's really selling the thing. Because how many know that with the show of hands, when you gave your life to Christ, all hell came after you. Put your hand up if that's you. Well, that looks like a lot of people in this place, but we don't know that. We think it's going to be sunshine and buttercups and don't put that on the video. And the reality is, the reality is, the reality is the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. So may I partner my message from last week with this one, that even in death, guess what? I can be still and know that he is God. I know that either... the torment, the wars, the viruses, the things that are going on. I can rest in God because even if I am gone from this earth and this earth suit is no longer holding my spirit, I'm with Jesus. Paul says it in James, count it all joys, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of all kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, I hate this scripture, produces steadfastness and let steadfast i'm just being honest that's what you're saying let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing the next time you go through hell go thank you jesus you're killing something in me that needs to die my flesh is rising up kill it get some roundup on that bad boy knock it out so we're talking with our friends in Ukraine that we support. I've been to Ukraine. I've walked those streets in Kiev. I've been, I've been down those things. I see these places. And I have a love for these people. And we have a church that we support. And so Anya's sending us updates. And I'm like, are you okay? Are you doing okay? And they're having worship services. They're praying in the spirit. 
People are playing keyboards and people are like, what, what's going on? And they're just worshiping God. You know why? Because they have a peace that passes all understanding. And sometimes it's trials like this. It's wars like this. It's things like this that cause us to rise up. Sometimes we have to realize that maybe we're just too set in our ways. We're just too complacent in the things that we have. And God's like, come on, the church, rise up. I know this, that Ukraine, you can bank on this. You, you may not see it on the news, but you can guarantee that revival is happening in that nation. Guarantee it. God's not going to sit back and let his people suffer like that. He's going to be glorified in every situation. There's miss, I saw a missile in the street, just sitting, it went right through the street. It didn't explode. What happened there? You're fighting the second best nation in the world, and the missile is stuck in the street? Could it be that God has defeated these things? I'm watching videos of, of, of Ukrainians stopping by Russian people. They're in their tanks. They ran out of gas on the side of the road. And the guy's making fun of them, driving away in his car. I'm like, how do you run out of gas? You're an army. Could it be that God is in control? Could it be that he's having his way? Could it be that God is bigger than a Russian army? Could it be that God is bigger than our sanctions? See, I'm trying to preach to you above the noise. Above the noise. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in us when we are more satisfied in him than whether we lose what we lose in death or what we gained in life. Whatever I can gain and whatever I lose, it's not worth it when I know that I'm satisfied in him. So the joy of dying. Some of you getting excited about dying. You never thought this would ever happen. Number one, write this down. Death stops evil things from living. When you die to yourself, now here's where I'm taking it because there is a natural death that's going to happen. And I don't want you to be scared of it because if you know Jesus, you're going to heaven. If you don't know Jesus, you should be very scared of death because the wages of sin are death. Your destination is hell and it's real. Don't get some kind of weird gospel thing like like you're going to be hanging out in like some kind of like a holding pattern, like the place where you go before your appointment to the doctor, but you have to stay there forever. Can you remember a waiting room? Yeah, that'd be horrible. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. A lot worse. Did a bad job of that. Heaven's a real place. And when you know Jesus, you're going to be with him. But God also wants us to die to things in our life. And that's the old nature. That's the old Mark that still has the junk in him. And a lot of times we worship God, right? We, we want to kind of do like a, a David Blaine kind of thing, David Copperfield, like, like I'm like worshiping God, but I'm hiding my sin back here. Like, like ah, Jesus is so good because I like this addiction. I don't want to give him everything. So I'll do this, but my marriage is tanking and I don't want anybody to know about it. So I'll just come to church, raise my hand and worship. But meanwhile, me and my wife haven't talked to each other in three weeks. Did I hit somebody with that one? Let me do this one. Hey, I, I, I love Jesus, but, you know, I like to drink because that's the only thing that really calms me down. It only calms me down is drinking. And sometimes I drink too much, but I do love Jesus. Did I get anybody with that one? See, whatever you're hiding, God says, I want to put that to death. And so many times we think we're tricking God. Like okie doke, like, look at me, I'm over here, <laughs> Jesus. And he's like, I see it. But when we die, it stops evil things from living in us. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. When you serve Jesus, you should look different than you did before you served him. People should go, who are you, man? Ooh, you different, girl. And I'd be like, that's because Jesus is up in here. Come on now, there we go. Number two, death allows new life to be formed. You have to die to things in order for good things to grow. Now, I know this because I study horticulturalism in the backyard of my house. Yes, I'm a professional. And I've, I've studied things. Like, I realized that if I don't prune the trees now, Eric, they won't come to real be beautiful next year. So I realized, I learned this, that if I can prune them back, they actually come bigger and stronger. Just try it. But I've even learned this. This is interesting because I was talking to one of the guys that was cutting down some of the trees, and he said to me, he said, the best time to prune is after the, 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 the tree has flowered. Like, you don't want to prune before because that'll stunt the growth. But this is the interesting thing about it. If I put that into, because a lot of times natural things demonstrate supernatural things. I'll put it this way. Many times our issues arise in our own life after our greatest victory. Why? Because we are nearly as desperate for God and we, are, and we aren't willing to do as whatever he asks because when we're going through the trial, we're desperate. But when we're blooming and everything's great, we're back, we're kind of chilling, we're doing good. And that's when the dead things begin to rise. I will say this. I have a, a gallon of Roundup ready to go all the time because the weeds keep coming. The weeds keep coming. Do you know that some weeds will actually lie dormant for years in your lawn and in your flower beds? What does that demonstrate? It demonstrates that there is a sin nature always trying to creep into your life and you must put it to death daily. That's why Paul says, I die daily, daily dying. Well, it sounds like a lot of work. No, the more you get to know Christ, the easier it is to weed. Because then you start realizing, why, why did I get upset when Susan said that to me? Oh, that's, that's bitterness. I, I, I got to release Susan. I have unforgiveness in my life. How come Carl got a new car and I got upset with him? Like, I was all upset that he got a new car. I, sh I can't even rejoice. Oh, that's jealousy. Oh, okay, I see that little weed. Let me take care of that. You begin to do a lot more weeding and you begin to do a lot more deathing. And so then what happens is you actually are continually dying to self and continually living to, for Christ. The new creation is always above the old creation. Last thing I'll say this is death gives us freedom to live life. Death gives us freedom to live life. When you are not afraid to die, you'll really live. For some of us in this room, the last two years, you've been so afraid to die naturally that you've not lived naturally. I don't want to get into the whole virus thing, but I'm done with it. You know why I'm done with it? Because I'm done with watching what it did to the people. I'm done with having to deal with people that are dealing with depression and anxiety because that didn't stop when COVID-19 came. That didn't retreat back into its home. If anything, it jumped into your house. Your marriage issues came to the surface. Your kids getting on your nerves and your parents getting on your nerves. That just raised the high alert. And God in his grace and his mercy allowed that thing to come to the surface so that what? We have to die to it. 
for many of us, we don't like the things you're seeing right now. Guess what? Then you need to go to Jesus and say, kill this in me. Kill this in me. Get this rid of me. I don't want this. I want to be able to walk through a storm and say peace to it. I want to be thrown into a fire and hang out with Jesus. I want to do the things that are so easy to Jesus that I want to be able to walk with him and talk with him no matter the problem, no matter the diagnosis, no matter the situation, whether I have my boo or not, whether I know what school I'm going to or not, whatever it is, I still trust him. I'm preaching this from a place of learning. I'm still learning it. You ever notice that you get one thing in order, you finally figure one thing out, and then something else pops up? It's like I'm working over here on the flower bed. I got this thing really looking pretty, and then, oh, there's a weed over there. Let me go take care of this. This is the inner healing piece that Southview so strongly works with. Because I believe that when you get saved, that's the first step. And guess what? Some of you in this room, you've had a miraculous salvation. Like you, you got saved and your addictions went away. And some of you, you have to die to self. But let me say this to you. This is, and you've heard this before. Some of you old South viewers, you've heard this before. This is where I differ with uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, drug, whatever it is, when you have to continue to define yourself as an alcoholic. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. I'm a new creation. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm, I'm set free. Well, Pastor Mark, that's not really true. Well, then stop. See what happens when you begin to define your new creation over yourself and you begin to speak. Because I know this, the power of life and death is in your tongue. So when I keep declaring who I was, for some of you, you keep talking about your old nature, but you still want to be a new creation, but you keep talking about yourself in the past tense. This is Black History Month, and we always celebrate this man right here, Martin Luther King, not this man. That was the wrong timing. That was the wrong timing, Brad. I do celebrate Brad. Now nobody wants to come on the stage now. You celebrate him every day, don't you? I know you do. It's your hubby. We also celebrate this man. And one of the greatest reasons why I love him is because he was willing to give it all. He knew. You could study his life. He knew. He was threatened. His life was threatened all the time. I don't know about, I don't know, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Like having kids and having a wife and having a family, having that come to my home. But he knew he was on course. His mission was over the cost. And my question to you is, we celebrate this man for what he's done. And his greatest legacy is when he died. After he died, all the things that took place from the ripple effect of his life. My question is, is would that be you and me? If we were to die today, would the legacy, the things we lived for, would they continue on? And if you can't, if you could say to yourself, I don't know, then that's just a heart check. Consider this an appointment at the doctor's. I'm just telling you what you need to work on. What could you accomplish in life if you didn't worry about being defeated? What could we accomplish in life if I didn't care about dying? What could I do if I could walk up into a hospital and lay hands on contagious people? I'm just saying, it doesn't sound right to the natural mind, but this is what Jesus did all the time. He hung out in leper colonies. He went to the broken. He didn't say, I'll bless you from over here. Jesus' name, in my name, in my name. He threw Jesus bombs on people from afar. I I don't want to touch you, but I love you. No, he went and hung out with them. He took Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to your house. Hey, this is the kind of Jesus that's inside of you. You should not fear dying. And if anything, every day, God, kill that thing in me that so easily besets me. Our fear of death tells a story. 
When we fear death, heaven isn't a reality, nor is it glorious. I'd rather live on this junky earth. Our fear of death says we believe in life is better than eternity with Jesus. Wow. Our fear of death says short-minded focus over long-sighted vision. Our perspectives are off. Our understanding of rewards are small, and we don't trust Jesus. Paul knew Jesus in a whole new way. He was not fearful of death. So today, what needs to die in you? Let me give you some examples. Maybe, maybe one of these will trigger something. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's ungodly thoughts. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's strife. Maybe it's divisions. Maybe it's an attraction to the occult. Galatians 5 says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's a strong statement right there. But... How many like the but there here? Because this is a good one. We need a turn of events. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified their flesh with its passions and its desires. Today might I pose to you to have a joy in dying. To say, God, I am your vessel. All hail King Jesus. Hey, have rule and reign in my life. You can take whatever you need to take because I'm willing to die. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.